on this episode of A Tale of Two Rival, breaking down Gronk's value, Dak Prescott, what's the deal? Jerry Judy, will he break out? Stay tuned. Welcome to a tale of a fantasy football podcast put on by your three peak go with your gut champion and a numbers obsessed spreadsheet loving nerd to find some kind of consensus to share with you the fantasy football listener. Hi, Dave. Yo, yo, Todd, Tifo, what's going on, buddy? Tifo! <laughs> yeah, really, that was totally my character, too, talking like that. <laughs> and also, too, was it was my Scott Fishbowl season has come to an end. I went on, I started 0-6, finished the season at 6-7, and 7, a little moral victory, nothing to celebrate, but I did beat the top uh, point getter and number one seed in our division by .36 points. On a crazy back and forth game, he had Damian Harris and Stefan Diggs. I had Dawson Knox and Nick Folk last night. It was in, like I think about eight or nine lead changes throughout the game. It was pretty fun, and I eked him out by point three six points. It was a, it was a fun Sam. It was I, he still got a buy, but it was it was fun to it was a fun sweat and it was a fun way to end the season at Scott Fishbowl, which I was incredibly thankful to be a part of and a part of raising money for Toys for Tots. It's such an important time in the holidays. So shout out to Scott Fish, the Podathon, and all the participants who have contributed, whether they're buying a t-shirt or sending donations, because they have helped the, the pictures from Scott Fish from Salito to just people donating to Toys and Tots, uh, sending in receipts of, of donations has been incredible. And it's really what the holiday season is all about. So I was really excited to be part of that. Would have liked to have won uh, or at least gotten the playoffs, but eh, I had a lot of fun. Scott Fishbowl, man. Great first year for me. Seven and six. Uh, I should probably figure out if I made playoffs because I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> Dave will help me out with that. And, uh, but yeah, no, man. It was obviously such a great cause and um, it was great to be part of it. It was, I had a really fun division, some like some Titans in there. I beat the guy who uh, started fantasy points. So uh, that felt pretty good. Pretty good. Davey, we ready to dive into your takes, bud? I am. I am ready to go. I'm really excited for these topics. Dive in. So to start off with Rob Gronkowski, strategically taking advantage of other people's inability to properly gauge risk versus reward is an avenue that I don't think is properly explored enough in Dynasty as a way to try to gain an edge on your opponents. And Rob Gronkowski is a perfect example of this. He's at the forefront in Dynasty of like risk versus reward because his biggest perceived risk is from injury. He's missed 42 games throughout his career, which is roughly 24% of eligible games he's missed due to injury. And that's not including the year that he retired from. And he didn't even look like himself at times last year. So I understand why he didn't look like himself coming back injuries. I understand why Gronk wasn't valued anywhere near what he's been doing this season. But 
This season, at age 32, when healthy, Gronk has been dominant. In the five of six games where Gronk has finished healthy this season, (laughs) big asterisks, finished healthy, he's been, at worst, the tight end eight, and the other game he finished with 9.5 fantasy points and the tight end seven. He has four top five weeks in the six games that he's finished healthy. That's pretty impressive. He is the tight end one in points per game this season, and he's been extreme, extreme value in Dynasty because in August, he was DLF's tight end 25, and he has been coming up in a big way when he's in the lineup for Dynasty managers. Now, everyone remembers being beaten over the head the last two seasons, talking about how much of a difference maker Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller would be in their fantasy lineups and that they should be taking the first and second round of redraft just because of the edge it gets in your lineups. Well, that value exists in Gronk right now, and it's at the cost of a 2022 second round pick at most. And while I'm not sure if I would survive a round of Squid Games, Todd, that Netflix thing that's been that's been crazy, I'm not sure if I'd survive if I had 20 minutes to name the top 12 prospects for rookies in this class in 2022. But I most certainly can guarantee you that I'd be willing to go up a second round one of those rookie picks for Gronk if I was a contender, just because I don't don't give I don't I'm DGAF as far as a second round pick in the 2022 class when I have a chance at a difference a difference maker in my lineups in the fantasy playoffs, and it's done at a very affordable price. The DLF trade finder in December. At most, I'm seeing a second round pick for Gronk. Half the time, half the time I'm seeing it's a third or a fourth paired with like a Donovan Peoples Jones for Gronk, which I'll do nine times out of actually every every time, every time I'll do that trade. <laughs> That's insane, dude. Yeah, GTFO. I like, and also I'm doing a bunch of these. <laughs> what? I'm doing a bunch of these sayings because I'm being criticized, Todd, that I don't know what these sayings mean, Todd. Like shake my SMH. I, I I've been getting some criticisms from a couple of group chats. I don't know what uh, some of these cool lingo things. And so I'm doing a lot of things here. And also like Nico Collins for Gronk. Yeah, if I, if I want to win, I want Gronk. I'll smash that. And I get, like Todd, I get it. Gronk, this season, he's not doing it with a massive target share or volume. He, among tight ends with at least 20 targets this season, he's 15th in target share at 15% of that offense in Tampa Bay. He's 8th in targets at 6.7 targets per game. And he's only 11th in Whopper, which is a weighted opportunity of target share and market share of air yards. He, he's So he's not like blowing us away with opportunities or what, what have you, but he's dominating the red zone and he's being incredibly efficient. 10 red zone targets tied for second routes run or tied for second in targets per route run and third in yards per route run, which are great fancy or efficiency metrics. And he's second in fancy points over expected per game. He has just been incredibly efficient and I, I'll take advantage. I'll take advantage of people getting burned in the past by Gronk because that's what a lot of it is. People have drafted Gronk high. They've felt that injury sting. They've seen him not play games. I'll take advantage of that. And honestly, 32 is not even that terribly old for Titan. Now, Gronk years, 30, I'm not sure if he's 32 because of all of his injuries, but he's the same age as Travis Kelsey. And it's not like you have to, it's not a deal that just he does. Gronk doesn't turn to dust after the season. I think there's a good chance that as long as Tom Brady plays, Gronk plays with him. And I'll ride that. Yeah, if I only can get Gronk in 50% of the games next year, I'll take it for a second-round pick just because when he's on with Brady, it's it's a difference maker. And I don't think people are taking advantage of it. 
I think it's one way to go about getting an edge come the playoffs. Yeah, so with him, like he's a perfect target, especially in two tight end leagues for a contender. Like Gronk just gets it done. I actually traded for him this offseason, and I gave up a mid-second for Gronk in an early third. So I think I traded back like 10 spots to get Gronk. It was beautiful. I don't even know who I got with that pick, honestly. Yeah, it's... I'm all in on that take, Dave. All in. And the other thing, too, why not go for Gronk? Because he's cheap. You don't need to invest in these bigger names. Sell your Kittles. Sell your Kelseys. Sell your Wallers. Sell them all. Next. All right, Todd. Next is a, a name after her own heart, Dak Prescott. And a little bit of a peek behind the curtains, Todd, this episode is here is I'm not going to just rely on numbers here. I'm just flat out a little disappointed in Dak this season. He's the QB 10 overall and the QB 11 in points per game, but he was the QB 3 in my dynasty rankings heading into the season. Now, looking at his production-wise, his efficiency, it hasn't been terrible. He's QB 9 through QB 12 in all the major efficiency categories that I care about. Completion percentage over expected, EPA per dropback, adjusted yards per attempt, pacer, which is uh, how well they're converting, air yards into receiving yards, big time throw percentages, like how those money throws, those important throws, how he's right there for throwing, like making good throws, his completion percentage in a clean pocket, which is very sticky, a a completion metric that he's top there. And while he's not really, he's in the middle of the range now when it comes to deep accuracy and completion percentage under pressure, but he actually hasn't been stellar in those categories throughout his career. So he's right there. So nothing is really... His efficiency overall, well, yeah, he's lower-end QB1 in a lot of those rankings. It's not like he's he's fallen off the face of the earth or he's just truly disappointed. It's just he's not quite where you were thinking where Dak would be. And he's even playing safe. So I'm trying to like find holes in this game, why I feel this way. He's being safe for the ball. His turnover-worthy plays are right in the middle of the pack, so he's not doing anything crazy. His interceptions per game are right at his career average, so he's holding onto the ball. Even his A dot, so his average depth of target is, which is more of, so I'm trying to like, I'm really digging deep, Todd, for, because that A dot isn't even a QB metric. It's more of a scheme and wide receiver metric, but that stayed the same. So I can't even blame it on A dot and having harder throws. And my favorite cl- crutch thing, Todd, when I am like looking for reasons to hate on it or to like find reasons for a QB play not to be where it is, TD rate. His T, I can't even blame it on that. He actually has the highest TD rate of his career at 5.5%. And his yards, per, his passing yards per TD is the best two ratio. So the high, uh, so <laughs> I can't even say he's not even, he's having unlucky TD luck or that Dallas is running the ball more and scoring a lot more rushing touchdowns. That's not the case. And then I can't even say that he's having, like they've started to run the ball more because his passing volume is there too. His top four in pass tens per game, around 37 pass tens per game. So I can't even blame it on that, Todd. So I exhausted all the things that I can care about except for one thing, and then it comes down to this. His rushing production has gone down significantly. He only has one rushing TD on the season, and he averages 4.8 per year rushing touchdowns per per season, and he only has one so far this season. And his rushing yards per game played have been cut in half compared to his career average, and actually a little bit less than that. He's below 10 rushing yards per game, I believe, and he's been well over – he's been over the 20 – rush yards per game in many seasons. So that's kind of it. Those two fancy points per game from Dak's rushing has taken him to the 
a low end QB one to if you added those in there, he'd be a top five QB Todd. He'd be right. He'd be QB five, QB five, six. So what do I, so how, so what does this mean? Like, okay, Dak's not rushing the ball much this year. Is it because of that injury last year? Well, when I watch the Cowboys, I don't think they're operating at peak passing efficiency. I don't think the passing game is quite clicking. That offense is quite clicking enough. So I think there's still some meat on the bone there that can be ha- so you could see a little bit better passing overall for Dallas. But I'm still concerned about his rushing ability. Twenty age twenty eight. I think he's eight, he's twenty eight. I think that's historically when QB rushing starts to attempts start to to decline historically for rushing quarterback. Not that Dak is a rushing quarterback, but he had that part to his game. And historically, that's when you start to see a little decrease. And you know, and I think overall, I don't think people are like ecstatic and pound the table thinking Dak's having a great season. So there might. So then, like, what do you do with that? Well, maybe this disappointment that I'm feeling, other people are feeling as well. There might be an ease of buy. I don't think it's a buy low situation with Dak, but it might just make him easier to go out and get because people are feeling the way I do and he's not lighting the world on fire. But I'm not selling. I have him in a couple of spots. I'm not selling. I'm going to ride this wave because the st- you know he's it's just a little underwhelming, but it's not like you're seeing anything alarming from his, his statistics. And I'm just hoping for a spike back in efficiency at some point or a bump in rushing. Hopefully it returns. But yeah, I, I, it's just sad because... I mean, my expectations were too high as my QB3 and Dynasty heading in, Todd. And it's just, and he's just not playing up to those standards. It's particularly disappointing. Dak was my QB2 in my rankings, and he was the only other guy I had in the Tier 1 with Mahomes preseason. And if you listen to the last episode, I've Dak's not even in my Tier 1 anymore, and that Tier 1 now has five guys in it. It's been frustrating. But like you said, not too frustrating because he has been productive. But he just hasn't been elite. I would absolutely see what owners are thinking about with Dak because at the end of the day, even if the rushing's not there, the passing volume will be there. He's an excellent passer. He's an efficient player. You're going to get stability there. And at 28, that's not old. And he's attached to some phenomenal talent in that offense. You got to curve your expectations because the lack of rupting outside absolutely takes him out of that top six conversation. But if he were to come back to rushing the ball more, because maybe this is just kind of like a bit of a fluke and that comes back, then you could be buying in at him at a low price and then then wreak that top five value. That's that's a possibility. But even if it doesn't happen, you're still getting a low end QB one at probably low end QB one prices. He's totally worth kicking the. Kick in that tire and seeing what he's worth. Next. So Jerry, Judy, Todd, I'm not sure why, but I'm in a very sherry mood. And it's not just like pure stats or stuff. It's what I'm thinking, Todd, is that I've been deeply concerned all season. Like I've been really zeroed in on a couple of players. T. Higgins, Rondell Moore, DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Moore to a certain extent, and Jerry, Judy. I've been really zeroed in and... I, like how I feel this week, besides like just how my fantasy teams are doing, I really, how the, they, those players do that week is how I feel the fantasy is going. Now, T. Higgins has, has ride the ship there. I can blame DJ Moore's situation on the QB play. Brandon Uke at least has prevented a total Titanic type esque disaster. And then, so that just kind of leaves, I'm keenly aware of what's going with Jerry Judy and Rondell Moore. I'm not going to talk about Rondell Moore. I want to talk about Jerry Judy. And he's the wide receiver 84 overall in PPR, the wide receiver 48 in points per game. After I had him as my wide receiver 18 in Dynasty this offseason, 
and he was the top of my fifth tier of wide receivers. Somehow, Todd, you know, we have talked extensively about how there is a jump for certain players who are young, like Jerry Judy was a 21, who are have the draft capital, who have the production, yada, 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 all the stuff that Jerry Judy had, they see a bump in volume. Well, somehow his target share has gone down a percent, which ebbs and flows for the season. So he might, that might rebound, but still it has not increased a couple percentage points like I was expecting. His targets per game have gone down from 7.1 to 7, six, to 7, or his targets per game have gone down from 7.1 targets per game as a rookie to 6.2 targets per game this season. And his Whopper has fallen from, eh, okay, 0.54 weight opportunity rating, which is a target share, air yards market share combination. 0.54 is, is pretty good for a rookie. It's fallen to 0.48. Anything that when you're falling in that metric is not a good thing. Truly nightmarish type volume from a first-round pick who flashed some promise like Judy did last year with that draft capital. It's just a shame to see what's happening. And Todd, I did mental gymnastics to try to find a way to blame this on the injury. I've seen no injury analysis. All of the, there's all kinds of these injury people on Twitter, and I don't see anyone breaking down Jerry Judy film prior to the injury last season and looking at his cuts this season. I don't know if there's an, is he cutting well? Is he not cutting his breaks well? Is he not running routes well because of this injury? I don't know, but everything from a statistic point, from a statistic standpoint, from route participation to snap share and, and that kind of stuff is I don't see a, a decrease. I don't see any difference between pre-injury and post-injury. Now there's only one game sample size, so it's really tough to do anything really solid there. But just quick look through, no real difference. Now and then, so then Todd, I can't do any, I can't do any mental gymnastics that way. So then I look, well, maybe Teddy Bridgewater just must suck. That's why. Well, he's actually at the top 15% in catchable ball rate. So Jerry, so even though Bridgewater uh, hasn't been that impressive, he's still getting the ball pretty accurately to, to Judy. Denver is actually passing more neutral game situations this year than last year. 54, 54% in neutral situations last year, 58% this year. So they're actually throwing the ball more. He's actually doubled his slot rate. That was what we were hoping for, Todd. They would kick into the slot and get a lot more of those easy, funnable targets. Well, he's doubled his slot rate this year, and he's played 75% or something like that in the slot. It, it's like you can't even... So then it just comes down to, is it just Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, and Cortland Sutton now is there? And that Denver's just running the ball more efficiently this year? Is that why Jerry Judy's doing what he's doing? And as much as I... And then I also, too, I mentioned this a little bit. I can't even blame Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater as the difference... Because every statistical way possible, Drew Locke, it, it was worse than Bridgewater. So I can't even say that it was a QB play because Bridgewater is doing much better than Drew Locke did last year. Now, the only thing I can hang my hat on, Todd, which is a big deal, Jerry Judy's dot has dropped 35%-ish from 13.7 air yards per target to 8.9, making the value of his target significantly less. Not only has the volume gone down a little bit, but also the value of that volume has decreased. That that's the kind of the, the the crutch there is that's kind of what's happening. So what is what does this all mean? What am I doing with this? Well, I'm kind of just throwing these numbers out the window, Todd, and and sit and sticking with my rookie year evaluation and my cost, college prospect evaluation. And I think Jerry Judy is good. I'm I, I'm holding on where I have him. I'm also looking to acquire him for the prices that I'm seeing on the DLF Trade Finder in December. I saw a second in Darnell Moody. For Judy and a fourth, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll I'll pay a second Mooney for Judy and a fourth, a second and a third for Judy. Yeah, I'll do that every day. Every day I'll do that. 
those are some trades I'm seeing with for for Judy. I'll go do that. But other than that, I think people are just holding him in the hopes of a QB comes to town next year. Teddy Bridgewater's replaced. A veteran established player like an Aaron Rodgers comes in and takes over with those weapons. And I think that's why I'm I'm investing. Now, I don't think that's a major thing right now. People are just focused on the injury, the lack of production, Corlton Sutton being there, Tim Patrick being re-signed, Noah Fant, Javante Williams exploding. I think that's what everyone's kind of focusing on and that there's a little buy window here before the narrative of the QBs and like a potential QB and the offseason start to take over. So I think this is a time to go really shake some trees for Jerry Judy. Uh, but And who knows what the offseason narrative is going to be. But that's kind of how I'm feeling, Todd. Usually when I go away from my stats and stuff, I make mistakes. So I'm not really listening to the numbers right here. I'm just going on college production, draft capital, and rookie year production and just and kind of saying like, eh, maybe it is the injury and I just can't find a way to measure it. So that's that's my Jerry Judy's, Todd. I, I do. I think the injury is the big part of it. I don't blame Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't really think Teddy Bridgewater opens up that offense. I think he's done a, a serviceable job. That's pretty much the best way to describe Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback is serviceable. So, yes, you should absolutely be expecting a QB change because it's desperately needed. Now, on top of that, um, I'm with you on that. I totally trust the talent. Jerry Judy, with it wasn't just the capital in his rookie year. It was my eyes, man. I am a, I was a huge Judy fan coming out of Alabama. I just trust that talent. And the other thing I want to point out is I don't I, I think the whole target share piece is a little overblown with him. Him not being hundred percent. I think it points to more of the um the offense itself doesn't really have much of an identity. And then it's the quarterback play. I'm gonna go to the quarterback play because I don't think that you can utilize the type of player that Jerry Judy is with the Teddy Bridgewater. So that um second and a third for uh Jerry Judy, I would take that in any context. Like there is not a situation where I don't say yes to that trade. And Mooney a second for Jerry Judy and a fourth, you can keep your fourth. I'll just take Judy all day. In a two-man league, Todd, when the second round pick is the fourth overall, I'm still taking that deal. Right. All day. <laughs> so uh, my point is, is like, I'm totally with you, man. I'm ignoring the year. I'm trusting what I believed in Judy going this year. He, in my rankings, he has fallen in my rankings because he rightfully should have. But preseason, I had him at 16, and I have him at 21. So it's not like in the same tier also. Jeez, was at the top of that tier, and now he's towards the bottom of that tier. But I, I'm still a believer, and I'm absolutely going to go out and check the prices on him. All right, Davey, tell them where you can find you. You can find me over at FF underscore on Sp- uh, space man on the tweet machine. Todd, I've had a couple of listeners reach out this week. They really enjoyed the last couple of shows. One listener in particular at FF mad jester reached out and was like, Hey, why didn't you use my trade? I asked you some trade advice on Rondell Moore, Hunter Renfro, Donnell Mooney. Those are the pieces involved in the, in the deal. Why didn't you do it? I was like, Oh yeah, he's right. I was really busy. Didn't think of that deal. So FF mad jester, Sorry, I didn't bring up your your deal there. So a little shout out to you. Thank we appreciate listening. Appreciate your feedback. I would talk about your deal a little bit more. Except I saw a couple of your tweets, man, and you were sharing that deal around with the trade addicts. A couple of the pods. Hey, you want us to talk about your freaking deal on Tail Two Rivals? We're not some soppy seconds. We. <laughs> you want to come to us? You better come to us first, baby. 
That's what I'm gonna say. But you've reached shout the out pinnacle. to Mad Jester. You've reached the pinnacle. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously though. Shout out. Thanks for listening. You can find me at ff underscore banterman on the Twitter machine. Just hit me up on there. And my love, my heart, to the tale of two rivals. Until next time.